from Romans 8, beginning at verse 12. Let's listen to God's word together. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with us and our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So it's always fun to look at paraphrases of passages. And Eugene Peterson, uh, some of you know he he died a year ago, uh, translated the whole Bible. Now, Peterson uh, was a Presbyterian pastor in the suburbs of D.C., and as he worked with his congregation, which was well-educated and bright, he realized a lot of the language in the scripture, people could hear it, but it didn't just click. And so he began to want to think about words and ways of communicating the truths and passages that would draw people into the truth and make them want to really study what it really says. But paraphrases, illustrations, and ways of talking about things can really help us to want to know what is really going on here. So to listen to Peterson's translation of Romans 8, beginning at verse 12. So, don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It is adventurous, expectant, greeting with God with childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with him. See, just look how he uses that to draw us into what's here. And this morning as we look at it, I'm excited about drawing you in to these great truths that uh, help us. We've been developing this theme of climbing uh, through uh, the documentary 14 Peaks. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to watch it. But this idea of ascent that we're in study of Romans 8, that one of the great passages in all of the Bible is Romans 8. It's one of the great peaks in the Bible. And we talked about how because we've come into this relationship with God, God wants us to ascend to learn how to live out the life he's given us so that these truths begin to be revolutionary. They're transformational. They change us deep from within. But because like many of you, I'm sure you're weary of cold weather and mountains and snow, we're going to shift and we're going to go to the beach, which I'm a beach guy, so this is more of my language, my love language. 
So I want to go back with you a number of years ago when Valerie and I had just gotten out of seminary. I went for, to work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, a uh, college ministry throughout the country. Uh, and I went to work in Charlotte with uh, Davidson College, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, Queens College, Pfeiffer, and Lenore Rhine. So I worked on four cam- five campuses. But one of the things that InterVarsity Christian Fellowship did every year is we pro- we promoted and promised a great time to get away during spring break and go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a week and just enjoy the sun and get warm. So obviously there were lots of people going to the beach not for Bible study back then. Uh, there were a lot, I mean, the place was jammed with people, but for three weeks, every year that I was on staff, Barry and I got to go to Fort Lauderdale, stay in a real nice hotel right on the beach, put on my flip-flops, my shorts, my t-shirt, swim in the ocean, do everything that beach lovers love to do, and talk to students about Jesus. It was just tremendous. Well, probably the second year that I went there, one of my students from Davidson actually lived in Fort Lauderdale, and he said, hey, Clyde, I want to I wanna come when you're there, and I want to take you riding on my Hobie Cat. Now, if you know anything about sailing, you know Hobie Cat is a fast little sailboat that's basically two pontoons, a tarp over that, a mast, and a sail. And I thought, that would really be cool. I'd, I'd never been on a Hobie Cat. I'd seen them in, on TV and seen people sail them. He said, I'm going to show up and we're going to go out. So on the day he shows up, pulls up with his trailer, we unload his Hobie cap, we walk down to the beach, and I'm looking at it. It's a choppy day, but there's a lot of wind. You've got to get past the waves to get out so you can really sail. And so um, I said to him, all right, David, what do we need to do? And he said, you just need to get it far enough into the water so you're like about ankle deep, and I'll take it from there. You just jump on when I say go. I thought, okay, great, this is going to be fun, because I was thinking we were going to have to swim the Hobie Cat out past the waves, and I wasn't excited about that. But uh, anyway, so I'm pushing it out, and he says, go! And I go, whoa! So I jump on the tarp, and I no sooner had grabbed the tarp like this, that he opened that sail, and we just took off. And bam, bam, we're through the waves, and we are sailing, and he is laughing because... I'm like a scared cat on this tarp. I mean, I was like, you know, and he's just looking down at me, he's laughing. And then to show off, he had already put on this trapeze gear on the Hobie Cat. So not only are we going just this fast, he tilts that Hobie Cat up like 45 degrees. Now, I really wish I had a photo of myself because I'm holding on to that tarp like at this 45, like, don't Jesus save me, you know, help me now. And, uh, but we had so much fun. Uh, on that Hobie cat. So the image that I want to share with you is that Jesus has come to thrill us again in our relationship with him, and he wants us to sail with him, to fly with him, to know the power of when we hold on to him, and we're going to use our faith as the sail, we're going to use the mass as the cross, as we connect our faith to him and what he did for us on the cross, and we open our hearts to him, And his spirit blows. The spirit ruach, it is a wind, it's a person, but he comes with such power to find the thrill of God filling our lives, uh, much like a sail being full of the wind. It's wild. Because, you know, you know this imagery, uh, this idiom, you know, she has wind in her sails. 
She's got energy. She's on the move. She's devotion in motion. Um, this image of sailing, if you will, is a great picture of what it's like for God to begin to fill our lives so that we feel like all we're doing is holding on to the one who holds us perfectly. And as we let our lives open up to who he is and we claim our inheritance, it's the thrill of him being in us to show us what he's done for us and how that works. So we're going to talk this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the witness of the Spirit. So right here in the beginning, notice how Paul talks to the church in Rome. He says, so then, brothers, um, he calls them by the family name. We're a part of a family. We're brothers and sisters here. We're all children. We're all part of a great family. Uh, he, notice what he says. He says, we are debtors. Now, one of the ways that you can know that the Holy Spirit's working in your life is that the Holy Spirit makes you very aware that you're in debt. You're in debt to who God is and what he's done for you. But so often we think of that in terms of, I've got to pay off the debt through showing what a good person I could be, or what a student of Scripture, or what a faithful member of a church. All the caricatures of what a Christian is versus who a Christian really is kind of kick in. So Romans 8.1, which we looked at a few weeks ago, is very important. The Holy Spirit comes not to condemn people who know Jesus, but to convict them. So there's a big difference here. So when you begin to understand how sin has weaved its way into your life, what you're like when you're left to yourself and you turn in on yourself or on other people in a ways that are not healthy, you realize uh, this is not who I am. Because the Holy Spirit comes to convict us that what Christ has done for us is so wonderful, so perfect, so powerful that there is a banner over us that says there's no condemnation replied God, or no condemnation. And to be convinced that that's true is powerful because there's so much that condemns us. There's so much that confuses us and says, well, are you this or are you that? Is life supposed to be like this or that? And we get so tied in knots and through the paralysis of analysis, we just get lost in the weeds. But then we hear the voice of God saying, not only are you not condemned, <laughs> you have been set free and forgiven of all your sins. You have been brought in a relationship where now I see you through the perfect righteousness of my son. Uh, the red blood filter of Jesus is the, is the thing that when God looks at us, he sees us through Christ's perfection so that we know we're forgiven. And so when you're convicted, uh, you know, I'm a debtor to the love that God has shown me. Uh, the Holy Spirit makes you realize, I've been forgiven a great debt. I have been loved so perfectly. So let's think about illustrations of sports. So in uh, uh, particularly the part of the country I'm coming from, you will hear somebody say, well, because he led his team to the national championship, so let's take the University of Georgia, uh, Stetson Bennett, who was the quarterback MVP of the most recent playoff games and championship, <clears throat> you know, a sports commentator might say, he'll never have to buy another meal, a drink, because wherever he goes, people will come up and want to pay his meal or pay for his drinks or pay his way, whatever. 
You know what it's like to feel in debt to someone who has done something for you that means so much to you that whenever you see them, you go out of your way to thank them. You go out of your way to communicate to them. You deeply appreciate what they did for you, the love that they showed you, the sacrifice that they made for you. Now, what does that feel like? Does that feel like you're under obligation to earn their love or to show them that you really care about them or whatever? No, those people know that you are so thankful for what you did for them. And they're just very aware of that. So when we're debtors, and when the Holy Spirit says you're a debtor, there's this great poem by Robert Murray McShane where the refrain is, help me show by my love, referring to Christ, how much I owe. Now he's not saying I need to earn that love. I have been given that love. Now I want to give it away and show by the way I love people how much I'm in debt to his sacrifice for me. This is a game changer. <laughs> It'll sort of spin you around and get you back where you know, now I'm on solid ground. I've got a way of thinking about this. So I'm not a debtor to the flesh. In other words, it's all about me, myself, and I. To live according to the flesh. Because if I live for myself, there's death. There's the aroma of I have, I'm just dying here. Versus, I'm so alive, I can't wait to see how God is going to work and how he's going to redeem what I'm going through. So this conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to us is Jesus has come to set us free. The spirit of life sets us free. And so we're no longer, as Peterson says, tending graves. No, we're people who are children who are excited about how God would use us and like, again, I love the way Peterson translates it as you live your life. Whatever issues that are sort of bubbling up for you now is to say, Father, how are you going to work? What's next, Papa? What are you going to do? How are you going to, how are you going to help us? See, when you're living by faith, you've stopped trying to figure it out and you're trusting in God who hasn't figured it out and he's going to show you what he's doing because all things work together for the good, all things. And so when you get that glimpse of how the Holy Spirit is working as a person, it just again feels like my life, I'm being lifted up. And again, if you've ever been in a sailboat and you're going fast, and I've been in a big sailboat going really fast, not a Hobie cat, but in a big one, it's just the power of the wind lifting up this amazing boat to go somewhere. And so when the God and Spirit is working, you, you're energized and you go, God, I, I want to show you how much I love you because you've loved me so well. Now I want to follow you wherever you want to take me. Um, one of our good friends of Valerie and mine uh, is an amazing young woman who went to Wake Forest University, Wake Forest Better School, School but another good friend of ours, they got married, um, and she did a residency out in Denver, uh, and they fell in love with Colorado, but God called them back to Winston-Salem, and Leah works in a pediatric clinic there in Winston-Salem, and she was in an area when she came back, and they were part of our church there. Um, Leah was one of the best uh, doctors in the clinic, pediatricians, and people just went out of their way to bring their kids to her because she's got the gift of being a great physician. Uh, but one of the things that began to happen is, is that people started to come to her 
the Latinos from poor parts of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, because she not only had the, the medical skills, she had that presence of loving people as she cared for them, and great reputation, and she had taught herself Spanish, so she could not only sit there with them, she could talk to the mom in their language about, tell me what's going on, and they would talk in Spanish. But one of the things that Leah began to realize was she began to realize that these people were having a hard time getting to the clinic. They had to get a bus, they had to pay an expensive ride to the taxi, and as God was filling her life and sales with the love of Christ, for this particular segment of the population coming to her office, she just said, you know what? We need to go to them. We need to move our office from where we are, or I need to start a new office in that part of town in what's called southeastern part of Winston-Salem, south side. I want to start a clinic there that serves the poor, that serves people of color. And I, I want to do that. Now, it was just an idea. I remember praying with her, talking with her husband about it. She was dreaming about it. So we're going to fast forward. She presents it to the big corporation that runs the medical group that she's in. They get a vision for it. They bless it. They invest in it. They, they spend major dollars. So I wish you could have been with me as we're standing in the clinic that's been built right there within walking distance for most of our clients. And we're going room to room and praying and dedicating this space uh, to the Lord that people will feel the presence of Jesus. Now, this is a secular corporation. This is not a Christian company. You know, by any stretch of imagination. But Leah had a vision and felt the indebtedness that's not about oppression, but I can't wait to give away what God has given to me. I want to serve a God who has loved me so well in Jesus. And it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what, you know, what a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit and what we're talking about, because here's what happens. If you are dying and you have no energy to serve others and care for others, you're missing the connection that God wants to make to you to say, if you'll put your life, put your arms around the cross, if you'll put your hands up against the cross, and then open your heart to what Christ has done for you, then you're going to find your heart opening up like a sail and the Spirit of God will begin to blow. And, and your life will change. You'll change. And you will no longer be about, why don't good things happen to me? Why can't I, you know, complaining and moaning and griping and looking for love in all the wrong places? All of a sudden you go, I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I have something to fulfill. And when you begin to connect with that, you go, wow. Now, this is how the Holy Spirit works. Not only does the Holy Spirit lift us up and help us out, but he begins to show us more about who Christ is so that we realize the truth that not only are we in a called relationship with him, but he convinces us that we belong that we're children, and notice what it says here because it's so powerful. Because you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. <laughs> the Christian name for God is Father. Um, and when the Holy Spirit's working, you want to get to know Jesus better. 
but you're falling in love with the God who is your heavenly Father. Because He so longs to pour into your life blessing upon blessing, riches upon riches. There was another young woman that I, I got to know when I was in Winston-Salem, still know her, and she worked for us as a youth worker and very gifted and just hard for teenagers. Amazing. Amazing. And so, so one Sunday, <laughs> I got up and the introduction to the sermon was I told the story about uh, this church where the pastor was preaching and, and he'd heard that there was a tremendous need in the Caribbean because of floods and, uh, I mean, of hurricanes and storms that had gone through that people desperately needed shoes. And so during the service, he said, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask everybody here as an act of sacrifice to take your shoes off and bring them up and we're going to lay them up here at the front of the church and we're going to ship them to this particular country. Now, Jenny was sitting there and she's hearing me use that illustration. Now, like Catherine, she had on the slickest, finest leather boots that went up to right about here. And she loved those boots. <laughs> So she said, Clyde, as soon as you started using that illustration, I knew you were going to do the same thing. You were going to say, because you love Jesus, come up here and put your shoes off. And she's sitting there going, now how can I sneak out? Can I get back to my house, put on my old tennis shoes, and not have to give up my boots on this particular Sunday? I didn't do that. But during that time, God really met Jenny, and she shared with me, Clyde, I just realized I was holding on so much to not just the boots, but still so much of my life I hadn't given back to him. And I was not free to be so free to say, Lord, if you ask me to give up the most important thing, I'm willing to do that because you love me so well. You see, the, what Paul is talking in the Roman church about here is so radical and transformational that it is amazing to watch Christians have their lives filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really cool for those of you who love to study the Bible. In Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is used 21 times. More than any other chapter in the, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referenced. And when you go through and study it and look at it, you'll see how the Holy Spirit comes to make real who Jesus is, to reveal the heart of the Father, and to transform people. If you were... Uh, if we could interview a lot of people in a lot of different places and say, what particular chapter of Scripture, what passage of Scripture uh, has really more than any other chapter helped you? A lot of people would point to Romans 8 because they know they're no longer under condemnation for their sin, but they become convinced that Jesus was condemned for them so that they might go free and be adopted and be a part of God's family where the greatest thing about them is that I belong to Jesus, that I know the love of the Father, and that's what He has for me. Uh, I've shared with you that um, uh, as a young Christian, the verse that really, really grabbed my heart uh, early on was John 16, yeah, Jesus is in the upper room. He's talking to the disciples, and He says to them, I've told these things that you will have peace. And I'm sure they were anxious, troubled, like, what is going down in the upper room? What in the world is going on? He said, I've told you, because in this world you will have trouble. Okay, 
So everybody in this room, I'm sure if I, you and I could chat afterwards over stocks outside or have a cup of coffee together or a brunch together, and I'd say, tell me where you're having trouble right now in your life. Uh, you would, if you felt safe with me, you'd probably say, this is where I'm most troubled. Uh, this is where I'm most afraid. This is where I'm most confused. Listen to Jesus say to you, I have overcome that for you. I've overcome the trouble that has come your way. And the way he does that, again, is getting us to trust in the power of what he's done in his finished work in a way that our hearts, our lives are so stuck to the mass of the cry of the cross that to some it's foolishness. Jesus dying on a cross doesn't make any sense. Or, you know, Jesus dying on a cross, that's not enough. You stumble over it. You go, yeah, I know Jesus died for me, but there's got to be more. You know, I remember a woman saying to me that when I told her about the free grace of God, she looked at me and goes, that's too expensive. <laughs> it can't be free. Well, it's not free because Jesus paid the price, but she wanted to feel like I have to earn this. But for those of us who are being transformed by this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the power and wisdom of God. So when we look at this passage, we see God saying, the Spirit convicts you that you are set free to be in debt to His love. What are you in debt to right now that's taking you away from who you really are and what God's called you to do? And I want to encourage you to come back and realize Jesus has paid your debt for that so that you would be indebted to His great love. There's no better way to live than to follow Jesus Christ. It is the most thrilling, wonderful privilege, this side of heaven, to say, I belong to God and I follow Jesus. What an identity, what a statement that not only do we say that's our identity, but then we get to identify with Him. Because notice what Paul says here at the end. He says, you're heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now again, you go, oh, I, I, I'm, I was good right here until you mentioned the word suffering. I'm checking out. <laughs> um, but here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus. That when your heart's filled with the Spirit, showing you the finished work of Christ for you and others, you want to suffer for other people with his love for them. When you're so tangled up in yourself, you really don't have energy or time to engage with other people who are messed up because you're such a mess yourself and you're trying to medicate through this or that and you're so concerned about this or that that you don't, you don't have the energy or the time to hear somebody's broken and say, I want to help you. I want to love you through this. I want to be a part of what you're going through. But when you're filled with the love of Christ, when you're good, when you're satisfied, you go, Heavenly Father, what does my friend who's suffering so deeply need from me? How can I help them? As a believer, before I became a pastor, I was really struggling. I was thinking about walking away from the faith. I thought, this is too hard, it's too difficult. I'm still so stuck in my selfish sins. And this older man called me up and said, Clyde, I know you're struggling and I know you're hurting. How about you and I do a Bible study? And I'll call you every night at 9. I'll call you every night at 9. 
We'll go through the Gospel of Mark. We'll read a half a chapter every time we meet. And uh, we'll talk about it. The game changer. And what this man knew is I needed to hear from Jesus and see Jesus freshly in the Gospel of Mark. And what we have here this morning is God's desire to show us that Jesus sailed into the perfect storm of God's judgment so that we might be continually made new in His perfect love. Uh, we shall overcome because He overcame the world for us. Let us pray. Father, thank You this morning for just the thrill of Romans 8 uh, that You've come to set us free to be people who are in debt to Your great love because uh, we're so thankful that you paid all our debts so that we might be free to live for you and with you. So Jesus, come and help us today. Uh, we pray, amen, to celebrate you. Thank you. Amen.